Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge. Well, it's not been a quiet week at Swindon Town. It never is. Amongst pre-season friendlies, away kit launches and the opening of new facilities, there were some pretty major changes and appointments made too. We have a new head of football in the form of Jamie Russell. Many of you may know Jamie from his outstanding work with Swindon Town's youth team over the last 18 months, leading a team that has bared fruit in the form of Anton Dvorak, Abu Kanu, Sonny Hart, but to name a few. Jamie also has a wealth of experience within the game, having previously spent time at Salford City, Everton and West Brom. But this is the big one. This is the head of football at the mighty Swindon Town. We're delighted to say that the man himself is joining us this evening to discuss his new appointment and what it means to Swindon Town. Jamie, welcome to the lounge. Thank you for coming on. Thanks How are you doing? Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you very much for coming on, mate. It's, um, I'm sure it's been a very busy week, so we're glad you found time to, to fit us in. It's been non-stop as usual, but uh, yeah, been really enjoyable so far. Happy days, happy days. Well, before we get into some questions, mate, um, I've got a panel of our illustrious uh, Tom Broadbent Lounge regulars with me as well. So I'll introduce you to those first before we get our teeth stuck into the questions. So, Chris, how you doing, Chris? Yeah, not too bad, Joe. Not too bad. Happy day. And yourself? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. So, Chris, meet Jamie. Jamie, meet Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, Jamie. Happy days. We also have with us the one and only Rockin' Robin, a.k.a. Malcolm. Malcolm, how you doing, mate? Oh, Rockin' Robin, you're on mute. Okay, we'll, we'll move on from Mal, shall we? Ellis, save the day, mate. Yeah, great start to the show, this is. Um, <laughs> Jamie, nice to meet you. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm great, thank you. Buzzing for this show. Happy days. Uh, we also have a debut in the house with Carly. So, Carly, welcome to the lounge. Hi, thank you. That's all right. Are you excited to be on? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to tonight's show. Happy days. Happy days. Well, let's get into some questions. So, Jamie, obviously, you know, I suppose a lot of Swindon Town fans have been reading the, um, the statement that was put out yesterday with regards to your appointment. Um, so, head of football at Swindon Town, can you just give us a lowdown on sort of what your new role is about and what it incorporates? Yeah, so pretty much it's, <clears throat> it's aligning everything through the club. Um, so mm-hmm. all the strands from sports science, medical, player care, recruitment, um, technical programs, philosophies, strategies, operations. Um, I feel over the last probably three or four years, I think it's been a little bit disjointed. Um, yeah. Whereas now the, the whole idea is to, to basically bring someone in. Um, so as me, that's almost kind of centre of a circle, if you can imagine that. Um, and then almost like a, like a wheel. You'd have for me. It's really important to work closely with the manager, yeah. um, to work closely with Alex Pike, who's the academy manager, to work mm-hmm. closely with the women's manager Mike Cook, um, to work closely with recruitment. So Les Caffrey, Martin Doyle, and Tommy Canlon, who work within the academy, um, to work with with Bailey Coupland, who's now head of football in terms of operations. So he's in terms of the head of football operations. So we're trying to streamline everything across the club now. So it's very much a one club identity. So everything in terms of operations and logistics, Bailey's aware of it. Um, mm-hmm. To obviously be around the budgets, so that would be with Rob, the CEO, and obviously the chairman, uh, Clem. To work with closely with Gavin around the loans programme um, and try and 
look at that bit of a Grand Canyon that we've got between the academy and the first team and how we can get around that. Um, and then obviously finally to work with player care and safeguarding to make sure that across the club um, we're covering ourselves and supporting the boys in, in the best possible way and obviously the, the women and the girls on the women's side of the, the programme. Well, I mean, I wouldn't like to be in charge of your email inbox. I bet you get <laughs> flooded on the daily. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously this is quite a quite a broad role for yourself. Um, how does it sort of sort of stand up to what, you, what you've been doing, you know, at Salford, Everton, West Brom? Because as I understand it, it was more, was it youth team coaching, uh, youth team development in those, in those roles? Yeah, but from an elite, like with the ECCP, so the elite uh, player performance plan, that was brought mm-hmm. in. Um, so when that was brought in, in when I was at West Bromwich Albion, so it was the first year of that where the categorisation came in. So okay. prior to that, it was centre of excellence. Um, and then it went into academy structure and then it went into academy like status, so categorisation of your academy, um, which, which basically came around because all the bigger teams were starting to take from the smaller teams. And there was like no compensation and different things like that. So from a smaller club, it was like, well, what's the point in us working really hard? What's the point in us developing our players for, you know, like a Southampton or a Liverpool to just to come and take our player? So as, as part of the, um, the EPPP, it brought in the compensation rulings. So they were standardised from the foundation phase, which was nine to, nine to 11, then from 12 to 16, and then obviously from 18 upwards. Um, so that, that, that gave a lot of protection to the smaller clubs and gave a lot, it was a lot more kind of, it was worth your while working and developing players because not only could you develop a player for your first team, but you could also, if needs be, you would, you would get the money that you were owed for in terms of the training compensation instead of just losing another player. So when the P came in, pretty much everything I've just spoke about there is, is what you end up doing. And I think, I don't think there's enough people that really fully understand the importance of an academy and the amount of hard work that goes into being an academy. So in terms of earning my stripes at academy level, I've worked with the under sixes, dealing with snotty noses and tying up shoelaces. <laughs> then obviously then working with 18s where you're still doing the same job sometimes, but um, like the foundation phase. So you're going from nines to twelves. I've led those phases, then obviously going into 12 to 16. So being a coach, working around the 11 v 11 game, then leading the phase, which is completely different again. So you're managing coaches, you're managing the programme, then obviously going into 18s. And then when I was at Everton, I was around the 21s. So that was a great experience, you, you know, playing teams like Villarreal and different things like that. So you, you're dealing with different, you know, different things as, as well as just a normal academy programme. Um, mm. to then going into Salford, which was to set up an academy from absolute scratch with, with nothing in place. So right. all, all of these things, these areas, safeguarding, player care, S&C, medical, technical programme, um, coaching philosophy, what your strategy is, what you're going after, your recruitment department, how you recruit, um, is pretty much, this is just another layer on what I've actually been doing for probably the last 15 years. Well, I mean, yeah, uh, certainly an impressive CV um, on paper, isn't it? Though, I suppose the, the biggest difference, I guess, is, is moving into that sort of having the first team under your wing of a, of a football league club. Um, so a lot of the questions we were sort of asking um, from the statement was, you know, how were, you, how were your dynamic with Mike Flynn work? How was the, uh, just as a, as a first team bracket, how does that sort of work under your wing? 
so the so the manager's in in charge of the recruitment, and he was yeah. brought in as a manager. So I think that was you know a good appointment from the club just to kind of steady the ship really. So we've had heads heads of coaching um, this time around. It was he was a manager, um, but I've got a real good open and honest relationship with the manager. I've only obviously from coming back from Australia, I've only only seen him for the last ten days, but everything so far has been really good. We're in constant dialogue, especially around the young players, how they're getting on. I know from his past uh, at Newport and also from Warsaw, because I know boys that he gave debuts to at Warsaw, that he will give young players an opportunity to play, but they have to be good enough. And this, and this is the thing, you know, if you get a young player on the pitch, it's not just a given. It's they have to work for it and they have to show that to the manager that they've got some quality to actually pull on that Swindon shirt and represent the club on the pitch. Absolutely. I think, I mean, the guys will back me up here. Last week we had a, um, a segment on the show just going through a few of the young players that made their um, men appearance at, uh, away at Supermarine. So you've obviously got the likes of Anton Dworzak, who I know that a lot of people at the football club are really, really proud of and really excited for. Um, the likes of Abu Khanu. I mean, Abu Khanu is one I was going to ask you, actually. Was he there at your time, during your time at West Brom? Was he a player that you were aware of? So we, yeah, we crossed paths at West Brom. Um, okay. so I, I was literally within that year going to Everton as, as he was coming in. Um, but oh, he yeah. was there was a lot of category one clubs that were that were courting him at an early age um and we were looking at him and, you know obviously you, you've just mentioned anton anton's yeah. done you know fantastic since i've been here in you know in his second season we put him into with a host family because yeah. of the commute from reading so we just felt as a as a group of staff we felt it would be the right thing for him to spend more time on his football than worrying about catching a train in the morning and doing all of that so all that extra work behind the scenes, all the, like I say, with the player care, with the safeguarding, with the coaching program, you know, Lee Peacock sitting down and speaking with him, Sean Wood speaking with him that have, that have been here for years and seen his full journey. I've, I've been lucky enough to come in and kind of see the last part of his journey out of the academy and into the professional environment. And Anton's just been an absolute joy to work with. He He's one of the first ones in. He's always drinking water. He's foam rolling. He sets himself high standards. He takes himself away from the group to really fully focus on what he wants to do. And, you know, he fully deserved his professional contract with us. Um, obviously, you've mentioned Sonny. Um, mm -hmm. Harvey Fox, um, who's done really well against, uh, I think he set up the third goal on Saturday against Melksham. Um, yeah. And then obviously we've got, we've got Harrison, who kind of like, he's, he's almost seen as like the old, the old developer, the old academy player now um, coming into his second season as a professional, but he did fantastic last season. And he's, he's been kind of our, our benchmark player. He's the poster boy. Yeah, he is. He is for us because it was almost like you need that one to get in and, and stay in. And yeah. as soon as you get that one, then it's like, then the, the floodgates can kind of open a little bit and you can get the next one, then get the next one, then get the next one. And I think from, from our point of view as an academy, we're really proud of obviously the work that's, that's gone in. Um, prior to me coming here and, and obviously the work that's gone in over the last 16 to 18 months. Um, but we have a real conveyor belt now of very good players. Um, going. I mean, our under-14s group is an excellent group and one that we, we've got big, you know, big hopes for. Um, but they have to be nurtured now and challenged over the next two to three years to make sure we can get them where they want to get to. Absolutely. Jamie. I was just going to say that. Well, obviously, we've got this with the younger players. Is there any plans to bring sort of the reserve team in to give them a bit more of a chance at somewhere between youth and first team? So, so at category three, as an academy, you don't have um, you're not in the under twenty ones program. 
So that comes in at Category 2. You're in the PL2, which is the Premier League 2 League, and obviously Category 1, they have the 21s. So this is something that we've we've discussed. Now, obviously, a B team is a big expense. And I remember when Brentford started with the B team model, everyone, it was like the fashionable thing to go, oh, we're going to go the B team route. But for the £40,000 or the £50,000 that Brentford made, it was costing £2 million. To, to actually fund that B team with the with the games program that they had, all of the staff was identical from what the first team was. So you're looking at a huge budget um, of what we don't currently have. So for us at the minute, we've been clever with the loans program and that and the loan strategy is something we're using now. Obviously, there's plans um, and obviously with the Australia program, there's plans to get more funding into the academy and that is something that we are striving to to get towards the category two, which would then naturally pick up the 21s. And as you, you rightly say, it gives the boys an extra two to three years in the programme to fully grow, to fully mature and also it doesn't put pressure on them. Mm. I mean, I suppose before we, before we move on to the Australia programme, because that's something that um, we'd like to spend a little bit of time talking about, um, just moving back to obviously the, the first team, we spoke about the transition of the the youth team players into the first team. Uh, I think something that's been on, on uh, you know a lot of supporters' lips in the last forty eight hours is uh, sort of first team recruitment. So you mentioned that obviously Mike Flynn has come in as a manager. He's not a head coach. He is in charge of bringing the players that he wants into his first team. He's in charge of you know negotiations and and, and whatnot. But a lot of people have asked, sort of, do you have any input in terms of the first team recruitment? Do you have any input into, you know, negotiations, scouting? No. So with regards to that, I just I'll just support the manager. So if there's players that he might think that I I know of from previous years or that come through an academy system, or if he wants mm-hmm. me to go and watch a player, I'll I'll quite happily go and do that and support him around that. And that's with the manager. That's that's my real you know area to support him with um, around that. But he'll have. He's so experienced in terms of League Two. He knows that market inside out. He knows all yep. the agents. He's already dealt with all of those. So, you know, the last thing he needs is me coming in saying, right, you need to sign this person and this person. He's very right. he, he's very focused and understands the, the strengths and areas of development for the group. And, and he's working really, really hard at the moment to, to basically fill those areas where, you know, he thinks the group can improve. Absolutely. I think it's, it's one of those, isn't it? He's one of the most experienced managers at this level. Um, you know, it, it's really probably is one of the, the only things you can look at and go, right, regardless of whether or not you're happy of, you know, transfer market activity, you've got a manager that knows what he's doing. So, you know, this is a plea to everyone, please just chill out. It's July. You yeah. know, we've yeah, got definitely. we've got a long we've got a long while to go. I, I also think as well in, in League Two, really like sporting directors and technical directors I'm not I'm not sure they're actually needed when you've got a manager that's got the experience of, of Mike Flynn because mm-hmm. you know what the the sporting director would do would be more in case of when you're working with a head coach and they would just basically they would be coaching the players and the technical director or the sporting director would be going and finding the players whereas yes. the, the manager now is he's basically a little bit old school in terms of like what an old school manager used to be like and, uh, and it, it's really good working with him I think a lot of, I mean, a lot of supporters over the last couple of years have probably been, you know, crying out for a little bit for a bit of change. So, yeah, it is what it is. It's it's a it's a new direction the football club are taking. So, it's got to sort of give it time to bear fruit, really. Yeah, I think I think the big thing as well around like the the role that that I've got is is more around like the medium to long term plan of the football club. 
to make yeah. sure that all the building blocks across those eight areas that I spoke about at the start are are developed and are functioning and are are working well. Um, and then you know, unfortunately, you know, the game of football, the manager's life nowadays. You know, if they get past the season, they've done really well. Hopefully, you know, our current manager will be here for you know years to come. But mm-hmm. if he's not, everything underneath is still functioning, and it's not a complete transition and change every time a new manager comes into the door. And I think, you know, sometimes I've worked at clubs where a manager goes or and suddenly everything changes. So I can remember being at Everton. We went from Alan Irvine, who was very kind of traditional English, very technical, tactical based. We then had Roberto Martinez come in and that was a completely different shift. Then Robert, Roberto left and we had Ronald Koeman come in. Again, a completely different shift. And from our point of view, we've development and academy it's really really difficult um because the process is 12 years from an under nine right through so you you don't have 12 years 10 years in football to constantly be reinventing yourself and you don't have two or three years of wasted development time of a spanish model or a german model or you know a different philosophy it's very important that at swindon we know what we are Mm-hmm. We, we know what we're producing. We know how to produce. We want local boys that are really proud to put on, put on the shirt and, and play at the counting ground. And that's, you know, that's the big thing we want. We want our young boys to fall in love with the club. And as much as we can, we get them to the ground. We get them on the pitch at half time, which is fantastic when they see the fans. And they're doing mm-hmm. knee slides in front of the town end when they've scored a goal and different things like that. But that's brilliant because we want them to fall in love with the club. Because there's so many clubs around here that will try and take the best players. But if they've got that affinity to the club and they want to be here, then that's that's the biggest thing. And we look at Harrison, you know, I, I mentioned the poster boy again there, but, you know, he's, he's done that full journey from seven right the way through. Absolutely. I think this is something that we've discussed quite a lot on the show um, over the last couple of years. That You know, Swindon Town is, I mean, factually, probably the biggest club in Wiltshire. So we've got such a, a reach of an entire county that we kind of feel like over the years we maybe haven't taken advantage of. Um, maybe in terms of whether or not we're focusing on first-team matters and maybe in a way neglecting the academy a little bit. Um, but there is, I mean, there's such an opportunity for Swindon Town to to reach into the depths of Wiltshire and really get out there and, you know, scout. Because there's plenty of players out there, you know what I mean? There's, there's, there's young lads out there that have got all the potential in the world. It's just fine with them. So we've, we've recently, obviously that's... From a, a recruitment background, um, when I was at West Bromwich Albion, um, it, it's a big thing for me. You're only as good as your recruitment. And whether that's players or staff, you're only as good as your recruitment. And, you know, for all, we talk about young players getting opportunities, but we've got a lot of really, really good young staff um, that will get opportunities well to, to climb up the food chain or to maybe move on to, to other clubs because, you know, that's where their, their development will take them. Um, but in terms of our recruitment areas, We've, we're heavily in, in the Gloucester area now, um, Cheltenham, the Forest of Dean, South Birmingham. So we're, we're reaching out that way as well as, you know, down towards London and across towards Bristol and just making sure that 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 net, that fishing net is, is getting a little bit bigger and a little bit wider, ready to scoop up any talent that we can get um, to, to get them into the club. And obviously the younger we can get them in, Obviously, I talked about that affinity and that love for the club. That's that's the big thing that we want them to be hooked, and we, they want them, they want to be here basically. And and I fully believe the program now is that good um, that that they are hooked and they would want to stay here because there's so much variety 
um, within their development program. Mm. I mean, you spoke there about you know casting a, a, a wide net. Now, that's a bit of an understatement, isn't it? So, we've casted that net over a, a few thousand miles into Australia. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the Australian Academy is obviously a very exciting new thing that Swindon Town fans don't really know a lot about. Um, so could you tell us a little bit from your side or your point of view of what the Australian project looks like? So regarding the, the Australian programme, it's, it's basically to support the academy. Um, and we talk about like category two. That's, that's where we want to get the academy to because we, we want to be, first of all, the best category three within the southwest, which I believe we're, we're very close to being that now. What we don't we don't want to we don't just want to hit our ceiling and stay there and let other clubs come and take our players. We're all hungry. We all want to develop and we all want to better ourselves. And that's the same as our players. So we have to find another funding stream that's going to come in and be able to allow us um, to get to that category two because it's a lot more money. It will be a seven hundred and fifty thousand pound that the club has to put in. So currently, wow. that's you know that's a, that's another big chunk of money. Now, obviously, that money is from the EFL and the LFE, and that money goes towards supporting, like I said at the start, the B programme, which it seems like the most easiest thing to do. Just run a reserve league, just do this, just do that. But it costs a lot of money if you're going to do it properly. Now, we could we could put something together and play three or four games a year or five or six friendlies, but everyone would be in in the morning doing their, doing their coaching role. Then they'd be doing the game in the afternoon. Then they're coming straight back and they're rushing and then we're going back out and we're coaching again on the night or there might be another game on the night. So instead of spreading ourselves really, really thin and diluting the programme, it, it makes more sense to keep the programme really, really strong for this for this next year, but also be setting up this programme in Australia that we can start getting an income from and that money then can come into the club and come back into the youth development. Absolutely. I mean, having spoke to... Um, I had a brief word with Clem um, a couple of days ago with regards to the Australian programme and he would like to make it known as well that the, you know, obviously the money that comes from this Australian programme is being directly funded back into the football club. Um, as you say there, it's a, it's a real important stream of funding that will be completely new. So, as you say, regardless of whether or not, you know, the academy is going to be benefiting out of it, which ultimately it will be, the, the funding that the football club will make from from the program as well is really important, isn't it? Yeah, it's massive, and I think when obviously Clem was over um, in the new year, and I got I got to spend a bit of time with him, and you know we went out and built the relationships for the loan strategy, and you know bringing Clem round to the some of the the non league grounds. Um, yeah. Step three, step four is, is fantastic because you know they all get to see him, but you know myself and Bailey went out there. Um, I've like personally, I can't believe how hard he works and how he <laughs> how he juggles so many things with such a time difference. Um, where I, you know, I I really struggled for the first couple of days, um, but he he's like on it. I mean, we we were probably three o'clock still jet lagged. Clem's waiting for us at seven o'clock outside the hotel. He's like, right, we're ready to go. First meeting was at quarter past seven on the first morning, and we're like, oh my god, and it, and it was literally it was like that. For, for the 10 days, back-to-back meetings, meeting people, going seeing games, watching people, watching coaching sessions, speaking to, you know, um, the CEO from the Australian uh, Football League, going to meeting Mark Bosnich, um, wow. who, you know, who's who's got a real big... Um, he's on a lot of the, obviously, the Australian sports programmes, so he can push and, 
and sell what we're working with. So we were kind of like talking to him about what we wanted to do and why we wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the the cultural aspect. So we met with Mark Bridges, who's um, who's half Indigenous, so Aborigine, um, yep. and we we got we we learned a lot around that culture, which was you know unbelievable for myself and Bailey. And if we could you know bring in Indigenous um, young boys and girls into our program in Australia, that would be fantastic again. And you know, since coming back. I'm, I'm kind of splitting myself at the minute between everything I'm doing here. Actually, I should have added Australian program onto that wheel at the start because that's <laughs> that's taking up a lot of time with morning uh, Zoom calls and, and late at night Zoom calls um, with, with oh. clubs and different people who we met out there because it's really important now that we don't lose that momentum and it does. it's not just a fad and it's not just, oh, yeah, they went out to Australia and they were going to do this. We've... We've secured a, um, a club that we're going to work with in Sydney and we've secured a club in Melbourne that we're going to work with and we're going to be the academy aspect of that club. Um, wow. Now, in a perfect world, we would have English people out there because the accent does help, um, although, <laughs> although I don't know if my Brummie accent helps out there, um, but it, it does really, really help. But we've chose two clubs and the reason why we've chose the two clubs is because culturally – their values are very, very aligned with what we are. And that was, that was the thing. We, we, we had all the flash clubs offering us the world, but it has to be right and it has to be something that's a sustainable program. So when we're not around, we can trust the people um, to deliver it. Then going forward, we've all, we're already planning around, you know, a cultural exchange between coaches from here going over there and vice versa. Um, and, re- and really, really taking this program forward. And we've already, you know, lined it up with, with a girls' program and a winning, women's program, a boys' and a men's program. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, we're really, really excited about it, but we don't we want to make sure that we sustain the one program first and don't get too carried away because then there would be another program in Perth that we would have. So we would have three programs running out there for boys and girls. Fantastic. I mean... Yeah, I, to be fair, it's not it's not um, you know strange for Swindon Town to go out in different places and around the world. And you know, Alex has done a really good job of the Karachi project. Um, I mean, in terms of the Karachi project, have you had much to sort of to deal with that at all? Or so we've had um, yeah, we've had um, Zubair come over, um, who actually yeah. works with 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 kids out in Karachi, and he does an unbelievable job. Gives up so much of his time. Again, lives our values, um, works with groups at, at midnight. Um, he, he was absolutely brilliant when he came over and he, he was very overwhelmed with our program, as you can imagine. Um, yeah. So he's taken a lot of the program back to Karachi. Now, the Karachi program is not linked directly to, to the academy in Swindon, but in terms of cultural exchange, you know, exploring different um, openings with, with bringing some um, Pakistani children over. We are looking at that, and I know Alex has, has been speaking around that. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, it's just a great opportunity to to sell Swindon around the world and show the good work that we're doing, and we should be really proud of, of what we're doing and how we're opening the doors to to people from all over the world. That's it. I think the sentence you use there, "sell Swindon around the world," is um, it's probably something I wouldn't have, have ever put together in my head that five, ten years ago. You know. Uh, a kid in Karachi, Pakistan, wearing a Swindon shirt it is quite impressive when you but, think about it. But but they're wearing them in Australia. And they're in and, Australia as well. And, yeah. and the, the one club that we we spoke with, they won all Swindon shirts over there. 
they want all their you know younger younger boys and girls to be and, and they want to buy that they want to buy the kit they're, they're actually bought into it you know in sydney well, there's there's 50 there's 50 odd people that meet in sydney in a, in a pub to watch the games i know Clem, <laughs> i know clem's gone and, and met them a couple of times um when we we're in melbourne the um guy called lee we met for breakfast and i was expecting an australian accent and he had a full wiltshire accent which completely threw me and he's, he's lived in australia for i think 10 years um but just so passionate about swindon and really really pushing everything and you know he was just like i just so pleased you're over here anything you need me to to support you with just let me know um so again like i said swindon is swindon is massive i think he's the song isn't it Swindon is indeed massive, Mr. Russell. Never forget it as well. Um, <laughs> so obviously with, with having these academies, you know, in Wiltshire, in, in around the world almost, um, something you mentioned at the start as well is, you know, your, one of your main roles as well is to make the, the transition for youth teamers within the academies um, a little bit easier, making a way through the age groups and ultimately, hopefully, into the first team. Um, so, I mean, what were your, your, what are your main ideas and sort of your, your mantra about making the, the transition into that first team a little bit easier? Is there anything that you, that you do in particular to, to ease the lads in or the girls in? <clears throat> yeah. So obviously we, we, we've just had meetings this afternoon. So myself, um, Sean Wood, Bailey, Alex Pike, um, Gavin as well, looking at, boys that are ready to go out on loan, boys that were going to stretch and challenge to go out on loan. But on the Tuesday afternoon and the Thursday afternoon, the the young, the, the, the youth team players, um, 17, 18, get the opportunity to work on their IDP programme. So it's their okay. individual development programme. Um, but with, with the staff that we've got now, so obviously you would have seen Lee Peacock. Um, yeah. From working with Lee last year, an unbelievable forward coach he is he comes to life when you talk about center forwards and obviously for us if we can get a goal scorer on the pitch if we can get another charlie austin if we can get you know a forward player that can that can get a crossing can go and take someone in a 1v1 situation can go and score a goal that's they're the kind of players that are going to get bums on seats and and have the fans you know really happy so We've got Gav, who's going to be working with the centre-backs um, within the IDP programme. And then, obviously, we've got Lee, who will be working with the centre-forwards. And then Sean Wood will be working with the centre-midfielders. So, it will be it will be IDP individual work. And then it will also be IDP position-specific as well, um, which will really, really give the boys that great opportunity. And, and the good thing is, from speaking with the manager and working with the manager, he also works within an, an IDP way. Um, so the, okay. first, the first team players currently last Friday they were doing um, they split off into three into three units as well so again the manager will come out and will be around that and that will give the manager and the player a great opportunity to build a relationship which when they go into that first team environment then it's it's already a lot easier for them to go in there and perform they haven't got to go in and think right, I've got to impress the manager in the first training session and I've got to try and impress everyone because when they try and do that, then everything won't happen. They'll, they won't pass the ball. They'll try and run the ball. They'll try and take people on. They'll you know, probably do everything wrong and, and make a, a bad first impression. Whereas if, if they're already comfortable around the group, already comfortable around the manager, the manager knows what they can do. Everything's a lot easier. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool, Chris, go on, mate. <coughs> 
So, you know, Jamie, obviously we've got a number of decent local clubs around here at various levels. Um, and in the past, we've had a decent relationship with uh, Chippenham in terms of people going out on loan. Is that something you try and build up to make those relationships with those local clubs? Yeah, we're constantly working with, with the local clubs. And this year, we've, we've had some real good success. Um, obviously, we've had boys go out to um, Chippenham previously. Um, that's where Harrison... And I think it was Harry Parsons went out to, to Chippenham. But, yeah, we're constantly looking at, at creating those links with teams. Um, obviously, Supermarine, we've got a really good link with. And we're looking to get a couple of players out to them within the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, it's something that we're, we're constantly doing is building relationships. And that's a, that's a big part of Gav's role now. He's getting out there and making sure that when the boy goes to the club, it's the right club for him. There's nothing worse than a player going on alone. And it's not going to suit the player. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, Harry Parsons was at my local Farnborough last year. Um, so, quick plug for Farnborough. Any players you want over there? Um, get <coughs> over for the promotion push. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, we, we touched on your previous work at Everton West Brom Salford earlier on. Um, so, is there anything from those sort of separate times at those football clubs? That you've really taken on board and you've you've sort of brought to Swindon, um, having used previously and, and seen some success with those ideas. I would say from from West Bromwich Albion, we were very, very technical based. Yeah. So it was a very very technical curriculum, um, and it, you look at the players it's produced. So like Louis Barry, I had at under nines. What player? Um, a lad, a lad called Tim Irogabunum, who was on, on loan last season at QPR. Mm-hmm. He came through that programme. Um, Bradley Young, um, Izzy Brown, who was taken by Chelsea, um, Jerome Sinclair. I mean, the list just goes on and on. And they came through a very, very technical-based programme. And I suppose I'm a little bit more old school around the technical capability. So a technical player really, really like excites me. I, I, you know, if they can play receive on the back foot yeah. lift their eyes look to play forward how we want to be at Swindon we want to be possession based and if you're going to be possession based you have to be very good at receiving the ball and, and passing the ball they're fundamentals and that's one of the things that I brought in within the, within the academy was a key skills programme and to make sure that all the boys every six weeks they have the opportunity to run with the ball to pass the ball to dribble the ball to work on ball protection and turning because I think Within academies, we're very, very good at taking a super skill, a super strength of a boy and changing him and turning him into a robot. And if you've gone out and watched a boy play at grassroots football and he's a fantastic dribbler, there is no point taking that super strength away and trying to make him into a passer. You can get him to understand when to run, when to run the ball and when to pass the ball, but don't take his super strength away from him because in years to come, that might be the thing that gets him over the line and gets him on the pitch. So <clears throat> with, with our key skills, we're very, very clear that every boy will work on each key skill over a six-week block. They will have covered all of the key skills. And that's one of the things, because otherwise, within, sometimes within a coaching program, for everyone who's a coach out there, you always have your favourite session. You always have something that you think works well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's your go-to all the time. And it can be quite repetitive. And it only develops the boys in, in that area. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's the, that's the main thing, isn't it? You don't want a team full of you know players that are very, very good at one thing 
um, you want that versatility, you want that uh, sort of utility almost like team. Um, so, I mean, there are a lot of players that have come through the Swindon Academy that maybe, I think the past five, ten years, you, you've had a, play, a, a team that's maybe quite good possession base. It's a bit, a bit like the back or <laughs> there's always been a bit of a downside. But I think a lot of the players that are coming through at the minute, especially when we, we listed a few early on in Dwarves at Carnu, Harp, you can shove Brown into that as well. They seem to be very good all-rounders in, in in pretty much most positions. Um, Sonny Hart strikes me as the sort of lad that you can put in, you know, centre-back, left-back, centre-mid strike, and he's probably going to do a job for you, um, which is a credit to you guys, you know, in, in the academy coaching side. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's that, that's the thing that we want to get into the boys, that technically they can they can manage the ball and they can, they can play in, you know. I always think it's really important that they can play in two positions. Yeah. Because it gives them obviously double the opportunity to to be a professional. So back in the day, it used to be full back and centre mid were, were quite were quite popular. Um, or you know, as a number nine, or as a seven, or an eleven, and you know that's that's the work now that Lee will be doing with the boys, um, the forward players. You know, are they are they wide attacking forwards, or are they actually number nine? So like Louis Barry, for instance, he's not really a number nine for me. He's a wide attacking forward that will come in off the line. Yeah, and that and that skill set is completely different to being a nine. Although Louis would probably think he is a number nine. For me, he's I was very about much, to say he, he, he backed yeah. himself anywhere on that pitch. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, he, he would definitely back himself. But you know, I think how Ben Garner played in what was was the right way. You know, as an attacking, as a wide attacking forward to come in off the line and, and cause problems. I mean, that front three of I mean, anyone on the panel will back us up here. The, the front three of McCurdy. Uh, Davison and Louis Barry. Uh, it was destined to take us up, wasn't it? Had everything, didn't it? Ah, uh, should have been. Should have been the one. Should have been the one. Um, I mean, we've got a comment here from uh, Sterlingshire Reds. He's just left a comment saying, "Very interesting and broad role that Jamie has described, but quite hard to pin down what success will look like. How will he know he's made a positive impact, and what metrics will he measure his performance with?" So success, obviously, within within an academy setup and within here, mm-hmm. is it can look in different ways. It can look as winning the league. Yeah. It can look as getting a professional contract. It can look as getting the ball on the first team pitch and getting minutes within the first team. It can be um, selling a player and making and making money out of that player. So, in terms of success, we've we've got strategies across our pillars of, of what success looked like for those different areas. And like like you said, it's very, very broad. You know, success will be completely setting up this programme in Australia and, and having a revenue stream coming in. That will be success. Yeah. So in, in terms of um, what I'm doing, you know, keeping all the players safe and making sure <clears throat> that they've got a good player care programme, again, that is success as well. So like I said, it is, it is very broad, but I am measured against the, the different areas for the success. I suppose something that we've not... Um not touched upon massively uh, throughout is maybe the, the women's side of Swindon Town. Um, so, obviously, there's been... It's highly documented. The the funding of the women's team has been fairly significant in terms of improvement over the last year or so. Um, some of the players coming in to the women's side, I think Mike Cook is building a fairly strong side for, for the National League division. Um, do I mean how much in terms of the women's side have you got on your plate in a minute? Do you have um, 
sort of interaction with Mike and, and his goings on? So Mike's away at the moment, okay. um, but I met, met with met with uh, Mandy this morning, mm-hmm. and we've we've gone through the whole program of what it looks like. Um, but last year we were already working with the the Centre of Excellence Girls Program. Yeah. So that was that was a real good stepping stone for us. So we some of our interns and some of our S and C coaches were actually delivering the gym program for the Girls Centre of Excellence program. Now we can take it up another another notch and we can start doing that across the, the actual the first team, the development group and the eighteens um for the women's team. So yeah, as soon as as soon as Mike gets back from holiday, um it'll be myself, Bailey, Mike, Mandy sitting down and going through the strategy now and linking the, the, the good work that's been going on in the academy and the first team and, and bringing in the women's um, part. Mm. So, I mean, do we do we have um, conversations with Mike and, you know, the, the women's side of things to bring in line the way of, you know, the style of play that we want to be portraying as Swindon Town? Do we align those two with the men's, the academies, and the women's first team and the women's academy as well? Do we try and bring those two together to sort of, you know, nurture play in a certain way? <clears throat> yeah, so we, we've, we, like I said, we had that conversation this morning. So the values will be the biggest thing that will come in. So everyone across so the academy, the first team and the women's and, and the club, we're all, we're all working off the values that are the most important thing to us. Then from that, then there will be the technical programme, the philosophy um, will support. And obviously the last thing we want to be doing is coming in and saying, right, you need, it, you need to do it like this. But what we will be saying is this this has worked within the academy Um and work with the coaches and you know the biggest thing we have to remember is some of these a lot of these coaches are volunteers yeah so we have to support um as full-time members within the club and you know offer them great opportunities in terms of cpd and you know get them on their their coaching platform basically and develop them and develop future coaches for maybe the academy or you know you never know you know where their career could take them absolutely i think you know Something that really surprised us last year when we started getting involved with um, the Swindon Town Women's Football Club was that at the start of the season, you know, the girls were paying, they were paying subs to play. Um, yeah. Which was really quite surprising. <laughs> I, I know that Clem was surprised when he heard that, when he heard that as well. Um, so this this season, obviously, we've started putting players on contracts. Um, we're getting a, a fairly strong squad in terms of, you know, as I said before, you look at the teams in the division, I'm not too sure that anyone has the funding available to them that, that we do. Um, it is quite impressive, but it also, I think it's a, it's a real big, you know, positive thing for the community as well, isn't it, really? It's something that, you know, girls can go and watch the women's team playing at the county ground in the, in the FA Cup, and it's something that's quite new, and it's something that I've, you know, over the last year, I've learned to, to get myself into that side of things that, you know, I've, hand on heart, genuinely, I'd never really been per se interested in, in women's football, but it, it has encapsulated me and it's grabbed me a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you guys have done a fantastic job getting that all up and running and um, and on off. So, yeah. I mean, panel, you've all been a bit quiet this evening. How are we feeling? We've got any questions for Jamie that you'd like to ask? Anything burning? I was, I was, I was just going to touch just on that quickly. Sorry, mate. Yes. From cool. going out. Yes. From just going to Australia. Yeah. How big the girls the girls program is out there! It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, uh, Sam Kerr is like a world and... stage star these days. Wow, yeah, she's you know huge sponsorship. But I think if there's any anything that myself and Bailey took from it was how big the the girls and the women's program is. Yeah, and 
you know, you talked about the Australia program. It, it's it's very strange for us because it's a rich man sport in Australia. Yeah. Because you have to you have to pay to go into the academies. You have to pay you know quite a lot registration fees. Now in England, it's not it's not that. You know, it's like you said, it's, it might be might be a couple hundred a year as a grassroots club or something like that. So yeah, the, the, that big shift was was something that was um, really interesting and a big eye opener. Um, for myself and Bailey, so because there's so much talent out there that might not be able to pay to play football, mm. and it's getting missed out on. So again, these these are things that we're looking at. You know, creating a pot to be able to nurture, you know, these these young players that can't afford it, and to give them that opportunity. And you you never know in football and and sport what can happen. And you know, it could be one of those guys that's grateful enough to to get this this free sponsorship and scholarship, and you never know where it can take them. No, it's a massive opportunity, isn't it, for for anyone? Um, but as I say, um, yeah, I mean, guys, you've been very quiet this evening, my panel. Has anyone got a question burning a hole in their pocket? Yes, I, I, I do. Hello, Daz. How are we? Um, I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Finally got in, lost my Twitter account, and now re refound oh, it. It's good to have you on, mate. That's why. <laughs> terrible. Well, I'm an old git, that's why. Um, <laughs> Jamie, question for you. Now, you, you, you're with the academy. You, you, you teach key skills for these lads. Um, at what point do do they get taught discipline? Because when they get to the first team, that, that seems to get forgotten. And you get this arguing the ref. The ref ain't going to change his mind. So why do they do it? And what can you do to, to stamp it out? Because it really frustrates me as a, as a fan. Yeah, so obviously football's an emotional game, isn't it? And that whole week of working towards a fixture and, you know, a referee can make a decision that, you know, you don't agree with. Obviously, we don't condone acting like that. So some of the stuff we'll do within the academies, we'll set up scenarios where we'll actually give decisions on purpose against the players um, and just to, just to try and get a reaction. But I go back to at the start around the player care and the safeguarding work. Sophie well, actually delivers the psychological programme with the young players. So, again, sometimes it's just coping mechanisms and being able to get over that red mist. Um, so, obviously, it's completely different in development football compared to when you're playing for three points. Yeah, um, I get if, that. If, if, if it's a penalty that's been given against you in the last second and it's not a penalty, then you're not just going to say, well done, referee. You are, <laughs> you, do, do you know what I mean? That, that emotion yeah, yeah, I get is, is, is going to come out. Now, obviously, like I said, it's not something we condone at the club. We, we don't want our players getting you know sent off or... You know, getting into things that they don't need to. Um, but from a development point of view within the academy, it's something that we are fully aware of. And, and like I said, scenario-based situations and training sessions, we do that. We do do that. But again, like I said, if it's the last second in the game and someone gives a penalty against me, I'm not sure I would be able to control my emotion either. No, well, no, we don't. I, I, I know as a fan, we don't. I know. So thank you for that, Jamie. Cheers. That's all right. I was about no to problem. say, if anyone doesn't take a penalty in the last minute against us at all well, it'll be used as Smith. Um, anyway, <laughs> and he knows it. He knows it. Ellis, you haven't spoken much tonight. Yeah. You've got a question for Jamie? I do. Um, Jamie, what, what sort of, um, what are you most excited for um, this season as in sort of as your role and and for the football club in general? Hello. 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 Oh, yeah, I lost you then. Sorry. That's all right. Did you hear Alice's question, Jamie? No, I didn't. Sorry. Oh, okay, okay no worries. Um, 
yeah, the question was, what what are you sort of most excited for um, in your role and uh, and in general for the for the season um, the season ahead? Uh, I think well, I think Ellis, we'll you might have to, to leave and rejoin, mate. Ellis's question, Jamie. Sorry if you didn't hear that. Um, yeah. What What are you most excited for this season at Swindon Town? So both in your role and for the football club in general, what really gets you going and you know gets that angst and excitement going for the start of the season? Uh, obviously, pre-seasons, you know, the, the best bit when everyone gets back in. Um, yeah. All the all the boys are back in. You see the new training kit. You see the new the new the new match kit and all that. That's that's. That's the one thing I think that everyone looks forward to every single season. But for us, it's just seeing the boys come back, seeing how much some of them have grown. You know, we've got Redman, who's nearly six foot four now, who's um, under eighteen goalkeeper, um, and just seeing them and just just being excited about the potential of of what the season could bring in terms of boys getting into the first team squad, boys getting around the first team squad, and then obviously the season for the first team and you know pushing hard for to for promotion and. And looking to to get out of League Two. Good answer, absolutely. I think to be, you said there as well. You know the excitement of having potential youth teamers on the cusp of making first team appearances. I, I can't remember a season, potentially for a good far well, maybe ten years, where we've had as many youth teamers on the cusp of the first team as we do currently. Yeah, no, and, and that's you know from an academy point of view and a development point of view, that's you know we're really excited about that, but. Also really excited about what the next layer underneath looks like because that's just as strong. Mm. So, you know, we know that as much as it's a headache for us sometimes because we've got to continually challenge these players um, in, in, in the games programme because, you know, we're, we're getting boys that are under-16s that are coping with under-18 football. Yeah. And like, and like we said before, it's, you know, what's that next thing and, you know, We've had Harley, who was couldn't play in the Wiltshire Senior Cup final because he's only 15. So we couldn't get special dispensation for him to play in the final, which for us, we were really upset with. From a development point of view, playing at the county ground under floodlights in front of fans is a huge part of his development. Yeah, And even, even pre-season, he hasn't been able to play in any of the pre-season friendlies because of his age. Mm. But he's playing under-18s football week in and week out. Yeah, so it seems like you know, not quite right there, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it, it, it annoys me, and I end up getting on my high horse about it. That you know, Arsenal can have a fifteen-year-old on the pitch, but we can't have a fifteen-year-old on the pitch in the Wiltshire Cup final. Mm. It's you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't weigh right to me. Um, and the, per- the, the whole point of us doing that is around his development because we know he's ready for that. Now in the 18s league. You can have an under nineteen playing down, so you could have an under nineteen first year professional footballer playing down in the eighteens to get game time, but he's still playing against the fifteen year old. And and this is where for us, like you know, I know Bailey was working tirelessly on it, sending emails, speaking with, but if if that's the rule, that's the rule, and you know we can't change it. So we just have to be patient and and just try and find another way to make sure we're continually developing him because he's ready for that next step now. But like I said, we've got another we've got another three or four underneath him that are that are ready for that next step. And, you know, we had Sonny go out to Harrowborough last year and do really, really well. Yeah. And and this is the thing, you know, people think these young players can't go out and do something. Um, but if you're good enough, you're old enough. Absolutely. I think 
Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it there. Um, just before, actually, I've just seen the time, so I won't keep you much longer, Jamie. I know you're a busy man. It's it's knocking on for nine o'clock. But um, just a, a comment here I've seen from Dean McMackin. Kind of goes on from what you just said about the youth, um, the Wiltshire Cup final. He's just asked, are there plans for the youth team to play more games in front of fans next season? Yeah, definitely. And, and that's something that Clem wants as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, in, in the youth cup, we were drawn away um, in the two fixtures. Um, but yeah, if we can be at home, the under seventeens finally was a, it was a real shame that we were away at Lincoln, yeah, um, and that we were we weren't at home um, because that would have been fantastic for the boys. And, and you know, it, reflecting on that as, as as a group of staff, we kind of probably wouldn't have, have played a final at at Lincoln. We would probably put up more of a fight, but we were looking at it from a development point of view. You know, playing in a playing in the stadium, the whole coach journey, the pre-match meal in the hotel, and, and treating it like a first-team fixture. Yeah. Um, but getting there, it was like very much like the the crowd were the twelfth man, and and did really kind of, you know, there's there's not like I said with some of the pre-season games and and the game at Corsham on on Tuesday night where the young boys were were brilliant. Yeah. We we can't ever create that within a coaching session. We, we can't ever create that. You know, the crowd and, you know, the Swindon fans were fantastic coming out in their numbers on Tuesday night in the rain at Corsham. And, you know, it's fantastic for them to see because we want them to be proud of what's coming through. And I think there's no better thing than seeing like one of your own play for the first team. And that, and that's what, you know, that's the buzz and that's the thing that excites us the most about the job that we do. No, absolutely. I think everyone, any football fan dreams of having their football club, you know, their star man is, is literally, to say, one of their own. You know, through the academy... Yeah. He's a Swindon boy through and through, and he's netting 35 goals a season. I mean, what could get better than that? Yeah, nothing. <laughs> exactly. Um, Joe, I've got one last question, if if possible. Okay, mate. Jamie, can you, can you hear Ellis first? Yeah, I've got you. Good, right. Jamie, you can only have one meal for the rest of your life. What would it be? One meal? Yeah. That's a big question, that. I know. I'm, I'm going to go with carbonara. Oh, That's what I had tonight. Perfect. Lovely. Well, to be fair, we can't let Jamie go. If you've thrown that curveball, we've got to ask him what his favourite cheese is, haven't we? We have to. So, Jamie, what is your favourite cheese? Mozzarella. Oh, that's, mm. that's a boring one, that is. <laughs> that's a boring one. <laughs> anyway, on, on that note, mate, um, we have kept you for probably a little bit longer than I, I I'd mentioned earlier on. So we, we probably should let you go, but thank you very much for coming on the show tonight. It's, um, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on and it's been really sort of interesting to delve into your background and into your role at the football club at the minute as well. So yeah, thank you very much for coming on. We will be carrying on with some previews and some reviews of the pre-match games, uh, the pre-season games, sorry. So you're welcome to stick around. But I also, on that note, I do appreciate that you're a very busy man and uh, you've probably got some emails to answer from Clem. Or a video call at two in the morning with him. Probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> so, yeah. Thanks very much. Thank you very much, Jamie. Cheers for coming on, mate. No, thank you for having me. Thanks a lot. Cheers, Jamie. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, everyone, thank you very much to Jamie Russell for coming on the show tonight. Um, real interesting look into, a, as you know, someone mentioned earlier on, quite a diverse head of football role at the football club. Um, certainly quite different to anything that I've known at Swindon Town, um, certainly not a te- technical director, certainly not, you know, a, a, per se a head of first team football. It's literally 
a ball, any ball that is kicked in a Swindon Town shirt from a six-year-old boy or girl through to a 33-year-old Charlie Austin, you know, or a lad in Australia or a lad in Karachi, it comes under Jamie Russell's wing in some way, shape or form. So, um, yeah, as I say, don't, don't uh, envy his, 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 out, his outbox, um, his inbox or whatever. Uh, yeah, he's certainly got a lot on, on his plate, hasn't he? Oh, mate, it's, um, it's pretty incredible, isn't it? Yeah, like the stuff he was listing, the amount he's got to do. Um, yeah, I, I certainly won't want his job. Absolutely not. But spoke very well, though. I thought he was really impressive. Um, you know, certainly had a lot of skin in the game. Everton, West Brom, Salford, that's not a bad CV, is it? No, and, um, you know, sort of going into it, I think most, most people didn't really have a clue what what his role was and um, coming away from that it's you know a lot more um, understanding and and uh, yeah I, I've, I've got my head around it and, and can sort of understand the the reason behind it Absolutely I think the, the Australian Academy is an interesting one because it could you know bring in some players over you know it's, a, it's obviously a very big project and that could be exciting obviously it might be a couple of years away before we see the fruits of it but it's certainly for the long-term prospects of the club. So it's be good because we've, we've had some decent players from there. Luongo, um, Royce Brownlee. Maskell. Yeah, but it's, it's uh, Dave Mitchell. Maskell, oh, it's Mitchell. Oh, see, it's before my time. I said Maskell. Apologies. Yeah. Don't clip that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, I, I think the whole thing is, is, is looking at, at elsewhere, you know, trying to expand on the, uh, the academy recruitment. It's all going to be, you know, suits the club long term absolutely I think the biggest thing as well is you know it was mentioned there it's, it's a significant uh, income stream for the football club too that can be pumped into you know whether that's uh, development of the county ground whether that's first team recruitment whether that's academy recruitment staffing coaching whatever it's just you know it's an extra form of income and any side in EFL let alone just league two you know every penny is it's worth so much to them isn't it yeah and Sort of a, another big thing is is it's it's the sorry sustainable. Mm. Um, you know, no matter what manager we bring in, say Michael Flynn, buggers off after two months. <laughs> we we've, we've still got that in place, um, which I think is really important, um, especially sort of as, as a lower league club, where you know a lot finances are, are important. I, I mean, it is for for any cl- club, but. <laughs> The lower the lower down the pyramid you are, you know, the more the more the money matters. So if you if you've got something in place, then um, it's only going to help you. Absolutely, I think it's just as well for me. I quite enjoy the fact that Swindon technically now have a personality. They've got a you know Swindon have got a a way of playing football. They've got a way of bringing their youngsters up. They've got a They've got a philosophy of how they want to play the, the game and how they want to treat their staff, and it's just it's nice to have that. I think sometimes you can feel a little soulless um, being so far down the football pyramids. You sometimes feel like a little bit forgotten in a way. Um, and obviously, we mentioned there as well. You know, Wiltshire is is such a vast area that's not really covered by any other football club. I mean, there there are a few, but certainly there's no other football club of the history of Swindon Town. So. It's just good to see us tapping into that and trying to make the best of potential. Um, so, Ellis, I mean, I've got you down here for pre-match, uh, sorry, pre-season match reviews. Yes. Now, were you at Melksham and were you at Caution? Oh. 
Um, I was at Melksham because it's my local, so it's two minutes down the road, but I was not at Caution. Uh, sounds like a cop out that. I know, I know. So, I mean, run us through Melksham. How did, how did Melksham go? Yeah, so very, very positive. Um, you know, look, it, you've got to take it with a pinch of salt. It's it, it's against a lesser side, but, but certainly not, you know, a Sunday league side. Melksham are an established um, football team so you know it's not it's not like we're playing um, nobodies but um, yeah it, it it was a very very enjoyable game got to see uh, glimpses of how Flynn will will possibly set up for the season ahead mm-hmm. um, and sort of you know the style of play formation etc um, so the starting lineup um, for the the Swindon Melchion game was Mahoney in goal, Hutton, Blake Tracy, uh, George McEachran, Tyree Shade, uh, Khan, Brewett, Wakelin, Kane, Lavinier, and Austin. So, looking at that, you'd you'd, you'd probably say that that's um, you, that your strongest sign, you isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, any signings made go go in go in there, but. Um, with the players that we've got, I'd say that's that's probably the strongest side you're going to get. Yeah. Um, and we look good. Um, two 0 up at half time. The first goal come from uh, from Charlie Austin. It was it uh, Hutton got the ball on the right hand side. Um, drove dro- dro- literally drove from the back all the way uh, to the other end. Put a lovely ball in, and Austin uh, with a header. Uh, was 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 a, a classic Charlie Austin goal. I was going to say that's not even um, just a, char- a classic Charlie Austin goal. It's kind of a classic Swindon Town transition, that isn't it? You know, Romeo yeah, Hutton yeah. picking the ball up, driving forward, whipping in one of his tasty ass crosses that he's, he's so known <laughs> for, and Charlie Austin doing Charlie Austin things. It, yeah, exactly. It, it 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 was a good build up play, um, and yeah, it was good to see Charlie Austin get get um, a goal on the score sheet. Um, then the second goal was an absolute rocket from Blake Tracy, 25 yards out, um, just like a bullet, top corner, um, good finish from him. Um, and yeah, then moving on to half time, eight changes. Um, so Mahoney stayed in goal, trialist A come on, which... Uh, was Jordan Moore? Oh, but, uh, he's Jordan the one Moore, that is, Taylor. You know, he's not to be named. You can't. Yeah, exactly. We'll we'll, we'll come on to him later, shall yeah. we? Um, the one we didn't want is the one we're talking about. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Clayton, Shade, Fox, Hart, Kane, Brown, Dwarzak, Adeloy, and Agua. Um, the third goal come from Adeloy. Um, it was a good, good build-up play from Harvey Fox. Uh, took on, I think it was like three or four uh, Melchior defenders. Played it into Adeloy, um, and it was a tidy finish, bottom bottom corner. Um, you know, it, it was a good finish from Adeloy. Um, not exactly an, an, an easy goal, um, so I, I thought he'd done well there. Um, the fourth goal come from Shade. Um, Again, bit good build-up play. Got the ball from about sort of twenty, twenty-five yards out, um, and came in from the left, wrong-footed the keeper, and uh, had an open goal and finished. So again, good, great build-up play from Shade to take on all those players and 
Um, yeah, I mean, fairly easy finish, but but um, yeah. Uh, and then after that, we had some changes. Trialist B, also known as Danny Ward. Danny Ward. Uh, yeah. Lewis Ward. Uh, oh, Danny, what am I on about? We, we wouldn't want ex-Liverpool Danny Ward. No, got Lewis no, we... <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Uh, oh, I'll tell you why I got that, because I was reading the next one. Danny Gonzalez. Oh, there come... you go. You're looking ahead. That's back. why. Yeah. And uh, and Josh Keyes, come on. That was replacing Mahoney, Jake Kane and Shade. Mm-hmm. Um, fifth goal was another absolute rocket from Agua. Pretty similar to... Uh, Blake Tracy's goal, 25 yards out, straight into the top corner. Um, was a lovely, lovely finish. Um, I think if you were to draw how a Ricky Aguiar um, goal should look, that is kind of, you know, that, that's picturesque, isn't it? That's what he's known for. Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to remember the build-up play, but I, th- I think he sort of, it was a long ball sort of over the top from the back come to him. He um good control on the ball and then, yeah, just, just, pinged it top corner um you know he's one of those players that sort of a luxury player when when you're four nil up yeah you want you want a player like Ricky Aguilar on 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 the pitch but you know the moment things start going a bit um you know the other way and and you're trying to dig deep and battle I I, I personally wouldn't have have someone like Aguilar on the pitch but I mean you say that he's a, he's a luxury player is he someone that you'd like to see in and around the first team squad a little bit more this season? Because I think, I've said it multiple times over the last year, I, I genuinely think there's a player in there. I, I think he's a really, really good asset for the football Yeah, player. Uh, 100%. He, he's, like you said, that there's a player in there. Um, we've seen glimpses glimpses of it through throughout the past couple of seasons. But, you know, I, I think his trouble is just consistency. Um, he's come on and just been... You know, almost just not there, non-existent, and and a player like the the type of player he is, like tricky, um, good with his feet. You you want him to stand out um, and score those type of goals that he did at Melksham. Yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, if he gets chances, if he, if he gets game time, then you never know. We 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 might see a more consistent um, slick Rick. Slick Rick. Um, so yeah, that that it was five nil finished five nil. Um, just some notes I made. Mm-hmm. Uh, played some great football. Um, we we lined up in a in a three five two. Yeah. Um, both halves. Three five two um, strikes me as the Michael Flynn formation. I'm not too sure oh, about the rest of the panel, yeah. but when you think of a Michael Flynn football team, for some reason I don't even I'm not even sure I've seen Newport at home to Swindon when Flynn was in charge. But to me, Michael Flynn is just three five two all over. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Just yeah, you look at any of his sides. It's 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 his prob- probably main objective to go with, and and, and we look good in it. Um, if we go to the first half, um, starting lineup, obviously you had um, uh, where are we? Uh, Hutton and Shade were sort of the wing backs, if you'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder. If, and then... I wonder if Michael Flynn sees Ty Shade as a wing back. Obviously, we've seen him at times. I think people thought when he came in, he was brought in as left back, didn't they? Um, yeah, I I can't see it personally. I, I don't know if it works. For you. I mean, Chris, I'll take your view on this, mate. Uh, 
Ty Shade, uh, left back. What are your thoughts? Because I'm not sold. I'm not sold on him as well because he's right footed. Um, yeah. I'm a big advocate of you know your, your fullbacks need to be on that foot. Um, Tomlinson's probably uh, the anomaly in there because he's actually pretty much two footed. Yeah. But generally, if you're going to play left back, you've got to be left footed. Uh, um, because it, it's it makes it much easier to to defend. Although uh, obviously Shade's strength isn't in his defence. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm not. I don't think full full back wing back um, is his position. I don't know what his position is because he's never played the same place twice. But um, uh, but like Flynn says, there's a player in there. Uh, it's just finding that player. Because we we saw it. Um, like, it's so frustrating to watch him for a lot of last season. And um, I, I just think he's going to be better further up the pitch. But uh, and he's not a centre-forward. And he's not a, a, a full-back. I mean, ideally, it would be a wide forward. Mm. But he hasn't he hasn't sort of, you know, set the world alight so far. So... This is going to be an interesting season for him uh, to see if he can come up with a position, cement it, and and show show us a bit more than he did last season. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Flynn. Oh, sorry, Jeff. Sorry, mate. I was just, I was uh, Chris reminded there of the the interview with Mike Flynn at the end of I think it was after um, Melsham. Uh, Flynn said, "When I was at Walsall, it was a matter of necessity playing shade at wing back. I had to do it as Tyrese can play in a lot of positions." He frustrates the life out of me, but if the penny actually drops, he has so much ability. His pace, he is powerful, he's tricky, and he can play off either foot. You're almost thinking I'm describing a Premier League player. The penny has to drop with him. I'm on him every single day. And if he's going to have a game, a bit of, sorry, if he's going to have to give a bit of tough love, if he's going to improve. I butchered that. Basically, he's saying he needs a bit of tough love to um, to get the best out of Tyree Shea. But, I mean, I... I Chris said he doesn't know what position he'd, he'd, he'd be best utilised. I see Tyree Shade as a, probably as a striker, to be fair. I, I think he's got a great right boot on him. I think his left foot is, is half decent too. He, he frustrates me watching him because sometimes you think, right, you know, you're, you're one-on-one, take your man on. Sometimes he does have a tendency to turn back and play it back. Um, I think if he gets his head switched on and he, he really clicks with this formation and this, this team, I think he could be massive for us this season. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry, Chris. His best performance this last season tended to be, you know, when he came off the bench in the last twenty twenty five minutes. Yeah. I thought um, one of them uh, actually, actually at Rochdale, he he put in a good shift when he came on. I think he actually made two of the goals for Charlie Austin there, uh, and also even against Grimsby when he came on. And he sort of played in that sort of like in the midfield, but when he gets the ball and he just runs with it uh, forward, and it, it was so much more. Made so much more of an impact there mm. than when he did start. He didn't seem to have some great games once he started. No. So I don't know whether an impact sub is is somewhere where we might get more out of him. I think there's goals in him. I think I think he's I think he's got goals in him. As I say, he coming on those tired legs, I think he probably scares the opponent or you know, if, if a defender's been put up against him, I mean the bloke's an absolute brick shit house. He's massive and he's got pace in him and he's quite tricky as well. If you're he's, if he's his goal at his goal at Melksham was really, really good. He, yeah. he took on, you know, a couple of players, um, tricky with his feet, took it past the keeper and was a composed finish. Um, the one thing I would say about him last season was it, it was just decision-making, which probably left, like, let him down at times. He'd, 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 he'd almost do all the hard work and then just turn back. Um, and I think, 
once he gets his head round that, um, you both said then he's he's a good player. He's got he's got all the attributes he needs. Um, we saw glimpses of it, glimpses of it in the in the Malcolm game. Um, yeah, I think again it's probably down to uh, getting minutes um, as many minutes as possible, and um, yeah. Mm. Um, where was I? Oh yeah, um, the 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 starting lineup as in the formation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, shade wing back with Lavinia wing back as well, um, and then a midfield or uh, oh sorry, the back three was uh, Brewett, um, Blake Tracy, and. Who's the other one? Come on, Ellis. Oh no, the other wing back wasn't uh, Lavinia. It was a back three of Lavinia, Blake Tracy, and oh, I've I've really you've messed you've it up. butchered this. I've, yeah, it was, look, let's keep it. It was a three-five-two, which yeah. is a Michael Flynn formation, and we'll move on. Yeah, to just 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 forget it, um, <laughs> mate. Then... The day, it's a five-nil win in preseason. You know, yeah. it's what it says on the tin. It's the the main thing is obviously it's ninety minutes in the boys' legs. Um, yeah, S- some some positives I I took from that. Um, Mahoney was was uh, quick off his line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, proper sweeper keeper was very vocal. Um, you know, shout shouting, commanding it at, at the back line. Um, I wasn't at the super marine, super marine game, but um, similar sort of words were said about him there. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the the young kiddies that come on. Um, the young, very, kiddies. very, the young kiddies. I mean, they're the same age as me, so I don't know what I'm on about. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, very, very, very positive. Jackson Brown, Anton Dwarzak, um, Fox, and Sonny Hart. They all, yeah. They, look, they, they, they didn't, um, they didn't stick out in a bad way. They, 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 they fit in very well. Uh, I think that's, that's the... important for a youth team coming through. I think it's a great compliment to tell, you know, any youth team playing in a first team fixture that you didn't stick out. You know, you you looked comfortable. I think that's what yeah. you can ask. I think Jamie mentioned it earlier on that, you know, sometimes coming into a first team training session or a or a preseason fixture or even a competitive fixture is they try a little too hard to impress. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if they can stick in and just, you know, get their head down and and play their own game and focus on doing the basics well, I think that's a it's a great way to get you off the off the start line, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Sonny Hart, um, sort of. I think he was on on the right of the back three. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked he looked very comfortable on the ball. Um, we played we played some some long balls over the top at times. Um, one thing I will say it was it, it was a lot quicker uh, build up play and more more sort of direct than than last season. Um, I, I, I know everyone was go, going on about it last season, you know, uh, back get sideways passes and, and you know, just, just almost passing for the sake of it. Um, the one yeah, the one thing I will say is um, Flynn definitely, I f- you can tell that he wants to play a more direct style of football. Um, we're, we're making quick passes, but not unnecessary passes if, if if you know what I mean mm-hmm. 
and we really utilised the 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 wide players. Um, Shade and uh, Lavinia was were um, not Lavinia Hutton were very important in in the first half in in that wide play. We sort of um, play, played it around the back, diagonal ball over the, to the top to either Hutton or or Shade, and and then ping a ball in to. Austin in the box. Um, I think that's sort of what he's going for this season. And I, I, like I said earlier, it's, it's against Melksham, so take it with a pinch of salt. But we did look good in what we done. Um, and yeah, I'm. I'm after that. I'm. I've got to say, I'm. I'm looking forward to this season ahead. I know you, you were waxing lyrical in the group chat during the game, weren't you? You were. Uh, yeah. You were very much yeah. enjoying yourself. I mean. It was good, the, uh, and it was only a two-minute walk home as well. Oh, even better, even better. You can get yeah. the beers with that as well. Sorted. Yeah, exactly. Make it a ten-minute walk home after a few pints. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, um, the next thing on my list I've got to chat about is obviously at five o'clock today. Uh, there were a few teasing tweets put out in the social media world. Um, I think a lot of people were hoping for for maybe something that didn't come. Uh, I know. I know I think Carly, you put on the group chat at five o'clock that you'd seen the, the um, the sort of leaks and the, the teasers. I think we were all hoping for a signing, weren't we? But uh, didn't quite come. But I mean, the kit did come. The away kit did come. Carly, I mean, we'll take your opinion on the kit first. I'm a massive fan of it. What are your thoughts on the kit? I think it's maybe the best we've had in about ten years. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, lovely kit, lovely shirt. Very happy about it. I mean, I liked the uh, the third kit last season, the green kit. Mm. I really um, thought that was a good one, um, although divided opinions on it. But this one, yeah, I'm very people were a little bit sort of unsure about the home kit with the roundabout print and everything. Um, but I do think the away kit, oh, it, it looks a bit special, doesn't it? It does. I think, to be honest, the home kit, is maybe a little bit of a grower. I, I, I've looked at it a few times now, and um, I've not got it in person. I will get it at some point, but I've heard from a lot of people that it does look a lot better in person too. Um, yeah, I, I, it does. I like it. I do like it. I've had one of my clients already, um, Jack Cooper, bless him. He's come in for a haircut, sporting the new shirt, and to see it in the flesh on a fan, I thought it looked great. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I think sometimes we just try and find things to moan about, don't we? Oh, well, that's that's I'll tell you what, Joe. <laughs> Go on, Alice. The all the all red kit is is sexy. It's it it looks right. It looks good. And um, to top it off, this sexy sexy away kit come out today. And if I I think I'm, is it possible to be in love with like? With an awaker, you can do <laughs> absolutely, mate. No, no I, think I, <laughs> I think as well, it, we could wear the most hideous kit that you've ever seen. End of the season, if your team is on the pitch lifting a trophy at the end of it, we all forget about it, don't we? So, oh, yeah, yeah. In 10 years' time, it becomes a classic, exactly, exactly. But as I say, no signing today, unfortunately, at five o'clock. Did get the kit released, yeah. but. Great, great shithousery from from the football club. It, it was quite special, wasn't it? I think I, uh, <laughs> I mean, we had a few meltdowns throughout the day, and I think that, that tops it off just beautifully. Yeah, um, it's, 
just make a bloody sign in. That's all I have to say. Where's... But I will, I will say, and I know it's not a, it won't be a popular opinion, but I went to Supermarine, and and as the players walked out, I thought, yeah, do you know what? We've not got too bad a squad there. There's there's a few players like I mean Hutton. I wasn't sure if we'd managed to keep hold of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hepburn Murphy for me last season was our most improved player. 100%. And when you see people like that come out, you think, do you know what? We have got some talent here. I know we want some more signings, and everyone's desperate for some more signings. And I'll probably get shot down in flames for saying this. I, but... I completely agree with you, Carly. I'm not going to shoot down in flames we... at all. Yeah, Carly, <laughs> I, I, I think you nailed that on the head, Carly. Um, I put a tweet out earlier. We've got some real talent there. And um, you said earlier about um, Mahoney, like the goalkeeper, he was so vocal. And it's been such a long time since I've heard anything like that. I think um, David Lucas, maybe, was probably the last time I heard somebody being that vocal. Blimey, yeah. Um, Bloody hell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a long timer. Um, <laughs> it's. I don't know. It's not all that bad, you know. It's not yeah. all that bad at all. There's some real talented players. And maybe Mike Flynn is seeing that in his training. He's thinking to, I mean, he's come out in the press, hasn't he, and said that he's not going to pay silly money for players. So to me, that doesn't sound like a desperate man. That sounds to me like somebody that wants to add one or two gems to a squad that he thinks maybe could be half decent. Yeah, look, Carly, I've, I think you've nailed that on the head there. I, I, I completely agree with you. I've, I, I do think we've got we've got a good side. Um, I, I, it's not, in my opinion, at the minute, it's, it's not promotion worthy. But I think we're only f- like three to five um, sort of decent signings away from 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 a promotion side. Um, you, you, I mean, look, you got Charlie Austin up top. You mentioned it, Carly. You got Hepburn Murphy. There's a player there. Blake Tracy. Um, you know, Clayton Hutton. Um, Payne's got some great talent on him. Ex- exactly. Well. Look, exactly. There, there, there's loads of good players in this club, and I think with the, with, with the right manager, um, they're they're only going to learn and develop as well. Um, we we saw it, we, we saw it in times in in last season. This this team can play football. This this team can score goals, um, and I I just think with with the right sign-ins, this could be a real a real good squad. Um, but but the one thing I would say is patience, um, which I know is hard, <laughs> and a lot of Swindon fans do not have. I don't think a lot of our fans have that, unfortunately. <laughs> I think if we could if we could bring in like a, a commanding centre half who can organise and run that back line and a holding midfielder who can get stuck in, that will make a massive difference to this squad. We've got we've got some talent in and around that, but those are the two glaring holes. We could probably do with a, a hold up striker like a, a Josh Davis and Tyrese Tyrese Simpson type. But I think, you know, with those three, that suddenly makes a massive difference to this squad. But that's the spine and I think that's that's where we need to focus. But there's still three weeks, so Flynn's got the, the time to assess what he's got and, and, and not panic. But, you know, if we're in this same situation two weeks down the line, I think we'd look at it a bit different. But yeah. for now, I don't think we need to be panicking too much. No, I, I think, as I said, I've said on um, socials today, I think, you know, I can, I can completely understand, um, in a sense, the, the cause for panic or 
the the anxiety of not signing players. Um, look, I get it. We all like new shiny things, don't we? We all want a new shiny toy. But this is genuinely... I, I, I'm trying to think back to previous pre-seasons. I can't think of a squad or a season where we've had so many players kept on and retained. Um, I'm thinking maybe 13-14, the, the year of like, Noel Rangers' season. The season after that, we had the majority of the same squad, but we've added a few... Um, sort of pieces of real quality, which ultimately led us to the, the playoffs. And, you know, the playoff final didn't go well, of course, but it was a successful season nevertheless. Um, I can't think of a season where we've had so many retained. So, you know, there's not too much in the way of um, panic on my end of the minute. I mean, Malcolm, I, I'd be interested to take your point of view on this, mate. Do you what? Where are you in terms of panic stations at the minute with signings? Um, well, I have to be the um, the club's kind of. Uh, oh. How do you say? No, Malcolm. Can you hear me? I can hear you, mate. Yeah. Oh, I can't hear him. Sorry. Uh, Ellis, you're ruining the show. I had that problem earlier. Sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't hear Carly. I have to go back out, go back in. <laughs> um, yeah. So my job, my job really is to be the. Um, how do you say it? The, the the club's happy clapper, as in. My um my other job, um personally quite literally, but personally um kind of a glass half full anyway, um yeah I agree with with Chris when when he said kind of we need to get maybe a couple of signing ins but I'm not worrying I'm not panicking um I've got trust in in Flynn he's he's an old style manager he's not going to panic so you know we've got to just put our trust in that he's going to get those players in and you know just go with it we, we can't change things as as fans but. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm really positive. Looking forward to it. I love the kits. Um, the 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 home kits looking so much better after my printing from yesterday. By the way, if anyone's seen it, <laughs> um, and and the, and the away kit, wow, that's just um, you know something else in it. So yeah, it's, it's positives all around from me. So sorry if you was uh, looking for anything different, but I can't be. That's just me. <laughs> no, I completely understand, mate. I think. If Daz, if I ask your opinion on, on, on this topic, we might get a bit of a different view. I mean, obviously you've seen many a season, many a pre-season, many a transfer. Where's yeah. where's your head at with the, the current sort of state of, of transfers that's been down? Right, well, probably about a week ago, I was tearing my hair out because every <laughs> na- every player that was coming up available, oh, we, we should sign him, we should sign him. Um, I'm now of the opinion that y- you've got to look at it pragmatically. Now, not all the best players will get snapped up in the first week of, of the window. There will be these certain players that are holding out for loads of money and they want, you know, get the best deal they can money-wise and they'll hold out and hold out. And funnily enough, uh, coming close to the end of the uh, window, they're, they're still on the shelf and, and they're thinking, oh, oh, sod it, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get paid as much as I thought. Mm-hmm. So there'll still be quality at the end of the season. The other thing is, is the pyramid, we're at the bottom. All the other big clubs will sort their players out, and then then we get the the pickings from from uh, from there. So there's no point in panicking and whinging and whining about whether or not this player we um, went back to Forest Green Rovers. So be it. Was he offered a contract? We don't know. Did he turn us down? We don't know. We'll never know. So why moan about it? There's no point. No. Uh, Trust in the manager. Trust in the manager. You know, every season, oh, I'll give him 10 games, see how we are. See how we are at Christmas. If we're we're not doing any good, then you can have a moan and a bitch and a whine. But to moan about stuff you can't 
moan about. It it just it just beggars belief in my respect. So well, I'm, I'm on the fence. Of, I'm on the fence of let's um let, let's just wait and see. Give the bloke a chance. Let him do what he has to do. Does I I will give you a couple names. Um, uh, Doyle, uh, Fodringham, Paul Benson. Those, yeah. look, those three players were signed after after August. Um, yeah, know, three top class players that that arguably helped us, you know, in our yeah. success in that season. Um, that's it. So I, I'm I'm not I'm not bothered. I'm not worried. I I think let let Flinny do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And the other thing is is that's three weeks less wages to pay him as well. <laughs> But yeah, fair enough. I'm not too sure though. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think you, know, you go you, three weeks out as well. I think by the start of the season, we are. I will put it on the line right now. We will 100% have new signings in the football club. Like, yeah. like, I understand. Obviously, you ideally want them in earlier than sooner rather than later, just to get them in integrated into the squad. You know, having some training sessions under their belt, working on tactics, playing with their teammates, getting familiar with each other. But I mean, it will come in the next couple of weeks. I'm sure we'll see players coming in. Um, it'll happen. We we have got a squad that can we we know at least can compete in this division. Um, you know, regardless of where you think they're competing, but they they can compete. Um, they know each other. They've been together for for a year now. Um, I'm just the the way that I would look at it is you know panic stations maybe not yet. Give it two weeks. I might be pressing the red button, but I don't think we'll get there. Um, yeah, I mean, I've just said this time that we are at an hour and a half, which is what we were aiming for the show to sort of look like. Is there anything that anyone would like to uh, sort of bring up for the end of the show? Anything that is on your chest once you want to get out? No. No? Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> anyone else got anything on their chest? I just want to say that I've got my ticket for Colchester and I can't wait. That is the perfect way to end the Tom Broadbent Lounge, Carly. Thank you very much for that. You know, even though it's in the middle of nowhere. Also, can I just say um, massive well done to Carly. First show, absolutely smashed it. Oh, 100%. thank you. That's very kind. We look forward to ruining your Wednesday nights with our horrendous <laughs> for, for foreseeable Carly. Can't wait. <laughs> thank you very much for joining us and thank you to the rest of my panel too. Um, obviously, Jamie Russell, big thanks to Jamie for coming on. Um, I know he's a busy man and, you know, he's, he's taken an hour out of his evening to come out and have a chat with us, which is really appreciated. Um, as always, the Tom Broadman Lounge is an independent Twitter space. We are not affiliated with Swindon Town Football Club, nor Tom Broadman himself. So any views expressed this evening are not representative of their own. Uh, we will see you next Wednesday. We will back on Wednesdays next week. Thursdays are not our evening. So thank you very much. Have a lovely week. Come on, you Reds. Cheers, guys.